Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, food, and history. My name is Pete, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lake Forest history legend, Arthur Miller. We all live in Lake Forest. Before we start our class, we have a sponsor for the show, Dakota Insurance Group. They've got your back. Why? Because that's what friends are for. Dakota Insurance handles all your residential and commercial insurance needs. Get a quote now at dakotainsurancegroup.com. Okay, one of the goals of the podcast is for our listeners to learn just a little bit more about Lake Forest. Well, who better than to teach us about Lake Forest history than Lake Forest history legend Arthur Miller? Okay, everyone, take your seats. Hold your hands on top of the desk. Our class is about to begin. Hey, Art, how you doing? How you been? I'm fine. Thank you very much, Pete. How are you? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Hey, are you the Art Miller that I just saw written about in Lake Forest Love today? Is that you? Lake Forest Love? What's that? Lake Forest Love. It was an article posted today talking about you. I'll put it in the notes of the show, Art. David Sweet. Oh, okay. Uh, David Sweet. Okay. He's a good yeah. guy. Yeah, he's right. a real good guy. And he did a, did a nice piece on us and you were mentioned this art class is getting all around the world, Art. So what's this uh, What's this class going to be about? We walk around town. Public art in Lake Forest. Okay. And it's some of it's just straight history. You know, things gradually build up over time and you see things and they, they're in conversation sometimes with each other when they appear. They can even hinge on the uh, controversial. You wouldn't think... That artworks in Lake Forest would be controversial, but I'm going to get to some of that. So, all right, <clears throat> let's see how it goes. And you jump in if you if you want to add controversy or you have anything. Oh no, I, I I had enough of controversy. It is my eyes are wide open, ears are even wider. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with talking about Market Square, which everybody okay. knows about. I was reading another book about architecture today, and they just mentioned Market Square in passing in a book, you know, so it's, it's always mentioned and stuff all over. But Shaw planned it from 1912 to 1915. Then he built it in 1916. And he um, finished up in 1917 some of the details. One detail was the fountain in Market Square. Um, another detail was the um, drugstore that works between the three-story Walgreens building that's on Deer Path and, and um, Western. Western. Three full stories. And then his market square was two stories. So he didn't want to look like, you know, you ran a, sub, a semi up to the back of something and parked it. He works on it so that it, it would gradually transition. So the store at for the craft building, which is in between the two, is two and a half stories. And there's a mansard roof on the top story. He did that. He, ought to, he wanted everything to, to blend in. Uh, if you look along over the doors and windows on some of the market square shops, you'll see, especially on the south building along Western Avenue, there are little squares over the doors and windows, and they all yeah. have little symbols in them. They, there's um, wreaths, Tudor roses, and um, fleur de lis or lilies that are um, embossed onto these little squares. Now, squares were a modern feature, but he made them medieval by putting these things in them. 
And where did you get the idea for the wreaths and the fleur-de-lis to be over those buildings? A block, a half a block south on the southwest corner of Deer Path and Western Avenue is the Blackler Building. That went up in 1895, and it has a bunch of copper features on it. You notice the green copper as you drive by. It kind of makes it yeah. look cool. And if you look closely at the copper, embossed into it are fleur-de-lis and reeds. Now, reeds were like laurel reeds. They were celebratory kinds of things from ancient. goes clear back to the Greeks and everything, which you'd get if you ran a race, you'd get a laurel wreath. The fleur-de-lis were the symbol of France and, of course, a lot of high style. France was totally in in 1895. And still in 1916 or 17, it was still very hot in, the, in that period as a style setter. So they were, he was using those things. Tudor roses, that reflected kind of the Lake Forest Anglophilia. Uh, so the Tudors were important uh, in this, the, the whole way that architecture took place in the, in the English Renaissance, a lot of it. So the building is basic, the buildings at Market Square, the north and south, the long main buildings are basically Tudor buildings. And then there's a classic Italian building on the west side looking into the park. So the three buildings there. So then, uh, so that building was 1917 after the square had finished that, that craft building. And also the fountain took a bunch of different shapes and the area to the east of it took a bunch of different shapes in all the different plans. And as it got built, kind of 1917, it has, again, sort of little medallions all around the eight sides of it, the fountain, or at least seven of the sides, with um, sort of sea references. Um, they're basically all sea references, crabs, which are also zodiac symbols, and ships. Uh, there's a ship. Um, so you'll see crabs, etc. Turtle, there's a turtle there. So it's nautical, kind of reference to Lake Michigan, too. Um, then over that west building I mentioned at the top, in the center, there's an escutcheon, a thing basically just kind of a, almost like a gable end that sticks up there. And it's got a shield in it with an oak tree. But around it, holding it up, are a couple of cornucopias. And cornucopias were symbols of plenty, but they referred to agricultural plenty. And so this was Market Square. So you had the ocean lake reference for meat market. You had uh, vegetables there. You had references to, to selling things or commerce. All these, in 1914, had been the architect associated for the Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago. And that had all kinds of Christian symbolism from the medieval period. This is all secular symbolism from the medieval period. And so it's sort of an interesting contrast. Then the original plan in 1912 for Market Square had been that there would be two kind of interesting towers like the South Tower that we have now. But uh, when he redid it, he raised the South Tower higher and he redid it because he made the park longer than the original plan was. And he added the North Tower in a different contrasting style. The North Tower is not medieval or Tudor, but it's um, classic um, later Renaissance English architecture. And so the classic tower has a uh, sundial on it, which is an ancient symbol, goes way back to how they read things when 
the sun would be out, which you get a lot of this summer. On the south side, they have a clock on the north face of the south tower. Well, first off, you couldn't put a sundial on the north face of something because you wouldn't get any sunlight. You'd have to put a flashlight over it and move it around, you know. So that didn't work. So that's a clock, and that represents the medieval thing. So this, it, it, what it suggests is, is that Lake Forest Market Square developed like European town centers in different stages and reflected different styles. And so you get that in the art. Then, still not unfinished, he left it unfinished with two different things. One was over the fountain. He'd, he'd given a fountain to the Fourth Presbyterian Church himself because he was a parishioner that had a big pier or square column in the middle of it. Uh, that was 1914 that had uh, religious statues on it and everything, but he didn't put anything here. Holding up the bowl of the uh, fountain are four eagles. Now, he, and he kept this from the 1912 plan. Eagle is, the German word for eagle is Adler. There was an architect, a young architect working for him named David Adler in 1912 when he did that plan. Adler designed kind of the idea of the fountain with those in it. And when he did it, he found, Adler went on his own in, in 1913, but he kept the um, eagle signs in there with, with sort of blank shields on them. And there are blank shields around the square also uh, that you could paint things on if you wanted to at different times. He used that, he left that eagle symbolizing, using Adler symbolizing, because the medieval idea was that people that contributed to a building should somehow be expressed in it. And so he was using a medieval um, precedent for having an expression. So gargoyles on churches would have one of the a face of one of the architects, you know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and he had his own name, or initials at least, up on that escutcheon over the West Building. If you look around, you see all this really interesting combination of classic, medieval, and local art, because that he picks up those contextual things from that Blackler building of a few years earlier. Looking around Market Square, you can get a pretty good idea. You get a pretty interesting just art exhibit by looking around just at those various things. So that's one. I was going to talk about also just briefly about Lake Forest College, a couple of things at Lake Forest College. At the corner of Deer Path and uh, Sheridan Road, which most people can't avoid because you're going to the beach or something like that yeah. you pretty much have to drive by it and you see a big red colored building stone building there that's durand yeah. institute it was built in 1892 it's got some artwork on it that was done you know terracotta artwork uh, if you look at that closely you'll see vines woven in the style of kind of william morrissey style but i was really going to focus on the two sculptures that are in the um front of the building in front of the parking lot to the west. On either side of the big sidewalk, there, is, um, there are sculptures. So on the south side of the sidewalk, there's an about um, probably 1980s, 1984, something like that, sculpture by Michael Croydon, who was a professor there. It was sculpted in memory of a staff member that was very much loved and it's called the Wounded Angel. Um, and it's now green, like that the copper that's on the, um, it has a patina to it. And it's a traditional sculpture, um, postmodern traditional sculpture. Across the sidewalk to the north, there's a very interesting um, 
abstract modern sculpture by Richard Hunt, who is a well-known Chicago uh, African-American uh, artist, uh, sculptor, who has got a big shop on the South Side, huge, looks like a factory studio where he crafts these big steel structures. And so there's this undulating steel forms uh, woven together there. They're both low, so they don't interfere with your view of the building, but they're worth stopping and taking a look at sometime when you're on your way to the beach. They're, they're good stuff. They deserve attention. Um, just to show the range of different kinds of sculptures that are in town inside the library. And I'm not quite sure how accessible that is now, but within the next year, it's going to be fully accessible. There's a really interesting small sculpture. It's a, a miniature sculpture of the 1887 Abraham Lincoln sculpture that is in Lincoln Park, right by the Chicago History Center Museum down there. Uh, if you walk down North Avenue a little bit, there's a beautiful niche that was built by, I think by Stanford White from New York. And it's got this huge standing Lincoln sculpture. Um, into, well into the 20th century, even as modernism got going, that sculpture of Lincoln was considered to be maybe the most important American sculpture. Um, his, it was by Augustus St. Gaudens, who was from, I think, up in New Hampshire. That's where a um, little town in New Hampshire. And there's a national historic site there now. But in 1907, his wife, after he died, he died in 1907. And shortly after that, she made provision to allow some maquettes or some of these smaller castings in miniature scale to be done. There were maybe 20 of them altogether across the country. One is at the, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. They're in major museums. Lake Forest College Library has one of them, donated in 1921, 100 years ago this year, by J. Ogden Armour, uh, whose estate was where Lake Forest Academy is now, the big house out there. Yeah, yeah. He donated it in 1921. It's been in the in the college library ever since. It was in in about three different positions over that time, but or more maybe. But it's it's always there, and it's a it's really probably of the public art in town. It might be the most important piece, and it's indoors. It isn't outdoors. Uh, the one that's at, at the St. Gaudens site, they have one there, the smaller versions, and it's outdoors but it isn't outdoors here. And I, I forgot to mention, I said there was, a, there was still one more detail about the Market Square things. The Shaw had a daughter who was gonna be a sculptor and um, he left the fountain, the place over the fountain and a niche in the North building facing into the park on the second floor level for her to put sculptures into. Well, she was a little slow on the follow through. Her father died in 1926. She, had a, she raised kids, um, had a big career, sold stuff all over for the White House in front of this, the um, state, state House in Boston, for instance. Well, she finally made something in the late 60s, or planned it anyway, did a maquette of it, posing with Mrs. Um, Rob Lansing, Kitty Lansing, who's in town when she was a kid, holding another littler kid on her shoulder. And um, that sculpture is now in the, in 1983, after actually um, Sylvia Shaw Judson, the daughter died, 
it was put up by her family in that space. In the 60s, she'd wanted to put it up. And this is where public art can become controversial. There was controversy in town about the young people who were kind of uh, up in arms and, you know, hell no, we're not going to go kind of during the war. Yeah, yeah. And so she was afraid to have that go in at that time. It just wouldn't have fit. It's really just a very nice family-friendly sculpture. It attracts kids to the fountain area. So fortunately, when 2000, when they redid the fountain, they made it shallow water so no kid can drown in it. But it's, it's a magnet for kids to go over to that fountain in the summertime. And there's a teenager holding up a, a, a toddler. And it just symbolizes Lake Forest, you know. Above the, um, on the north side, then the sculpture she put in is a tall, skinny one. Uh, kind of like the ones that her father had put in that 1914 sculpture or fountain down in the city. Um, a tall, skinny kid. Um, a boy ballet student. Uh, she'd, been want, she'd been to visit some ballet students and African-American ballet students on the south side. And she watched him and this guy just had the right angles and everything and, and all. So she did a sculpture of him. And then that was put in, I think, while she was still alive, about 1977. Um, so those are, she's a, a very important artist. One of her things showed up on the auction, you know, online uh, with an estimate of $150,000. So she's not chopped liver. No. <laughs> so we're, you know, we so that kind of tops off the art that's in Market Square. It's a it's a combination. It's a pretty good. If you go there and look around, you get it's like visiting an exhibit. Now the last thing I'm going to talk about is the um, is the library, uh, the town library, and that's interesting. I said about controversy. So. There was kind of an accident of, of plan. It wasn't planning, it just was a coincidence that the library in 1995, 26 years ago, was doing over the um, reference room of the library, which used to have like print indexes and things like that. And they were putting in computers because everything was gonna go online for looking up books, you know, where, where these things come out every year, you know, with updates. It was easier to do online, infinitely easier to do online. So what they did was they remodeled that room just at the same time that they introduced a bunch of book-shaped sculptures by that same Michael Croydon, paid for by a bunch of his fans in Lake Forest, big name families. He ranged them along in front of the, in, at regular intervals in front of the, along the hillside in front of the library. Well, people who, you know, know, history and everything in Lake Forest, thought it looked an awful lot like the Lee Mansion in Arlington Cemetery, that which is the old Lee estate. And here were these tombstones put up there of books, because they're book shaped, in the same month that they put in the doggone computers and took away the books from the library. They had a bomb scare. Everybody went nuts. And what the Lake Forest Garden Club did was they hired another landscape architect or a landscape architect, Rodney Robinson from Delaware to reposition those book sculptures. So they're not in a um, line, you know, to look like tombstones. Yeah. And the kids love them, they play on them. If you've ever watched kids playing hide and seek along behind those things, they're great. They're, kids will play on anything. 
but these are safe to play on. And, you know, while somebody's reading books inside, the kids can play out front. Um, you watch, there are always somebody there. Um, so that was a big controversy. You didn't think that art in front of a library would be controversial, but it was just clash of cultures, you know, at that particular moment in time, going from print for the first time in 500 years to uh, something else. If you go inside the library, there's three main kinds of public art uh, to notice. The first thing is inside the rotunda. There are these fabulous murals that were done in 1931 by Nikolai Remesov, a Russian emigre. And he was working jobs. He, he tried to start a nightclub in New York. That didn't pan out during Prohibition. He came to Chicago, had a client in Chicago, and he started doing set design work, which is what he'd done in Russia, and did set design work for an opera company that they had at that time, and was doing this. And he did some work for the Women's Athletic Association in the city, which is a very she-she Art Deco building downtown on Michigan Avenue. He was around for a while working with the Ballet Russe and stuff like that, but he ended up moving on to Hollywood. So from the late 30s, in well into the, into the 1960s, he was an art director, did set designs and things for shows from Ocean's Eleven was one of the last ones he did, but he did a Steinbeck one in the late 30s. And so in between he did, he also did a lot of TV work for like Gunsmoke, a bunch of shows that people don't know now, but shows yeah. were pretty prominent. They were probably really good jobs. And so he's a very prominent guy if you look him up. So that's an important, the, the subject of the murals are ancient authors. And so in libraries from the late 19th century, uh, there's always tried to be a balance of terror between letting people read whatever bestseller they want and trying to talk them into reading what they should read, which is the good stuff, which is like the Greek classics and stuff like that. So you got Homer up there on the wall, you got um, Cicero, um, Sappho, who was a poet, lots of, there's eight different enormous panels of, um, of artwork there uh, in that rotunda that's underneath the dome. And it's, it's worth a trip alone, if nothing else. If you go to the left, once you're in that rotunda, you go into a room that has 10 big prints of Ottoman birds. So in 19, around 19, or around 1999, they were working on a book about the art at the Lake Forest Library. And they asked me to look over their draft. And I said, oh, this is pretty good. But why did you put down that those big pictures, those Audubon birds, why did you put down reproductions on them? And they said, well, this is a public library. And I said, this is a public library in Lake Forest. Give me a break. So I said, send one downtown to the guy who does, you know, all the Audubon bird stuff. His name is Oppenheimer. See what he says. Well, it turns out these are ones, these were 10 original Havel double elephant folio, original, they would start out as prints, but then there was another layer of painting that went on on top of those. Maybe there are 200 and some copies ever made in the world and they're, they're valuable. And so they had them all restored. Nine of them are water birds. Some of the biggest, most dramatic water birds uh, not the eagle, but the golden eagle, not the American eagle, but the golden eagle is there. And uh, there's one thing that's not an, a, a water bird, and that's a grouse. And so if it, it tells me the guy was a hunter, 
you know, a bird hunter yeah. who had collected these, you know, and the library got them in the early thirties when, you know, they weren't worth anything. No, if you tried to sell them, you wouldn't have gotten any money for them. Somebody donated them to the library and said, fine, you know. Now they're incredibly valuable. So to, again, that's another room. If you go and look at those birds, that's as good as anything you can see. It's incredible. So then if you go the other direction to the right, you go through the, the re reference room, which has got some, a, few, a couple few plates, great big giant plates that were done when in Lake Forest from 1926 to 1931, they ran a summer school for the best graduates in architecture and landscape architecture. And they all came to, to Lake Forest to study as in a, in a kind of a contest atmosphere. They were going to compete to get year-long scholarships or fellowships to go and study in Europe, uh, two in Europe, two in, in around the United States. The first year, a landscape architect and an architect, they, a pair won. The landscape architect was a woman. The architect was a man. And they said, well, we can't send it to Europe together. So they handled the problem by kicking the women out of the program. Those were the days. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine what that would make the New York Times today? Oh. <clears throat> that would be incredible. But they just had men after that. Yeah, but yeah, they would yeah. send these guys off to travel across Europe. Um, the ones who were the runners up got to travel around the U.S. and did they did sketches and artwork uh, on the East Coast in the, in the early architecture and stuff that was over there. So those are really valuable. Some of those, those guys all went on after the 1930s. They were working on federal projects and stuff um, and then did architecture, landscape architecture. Uh, one of the graduates from the program went to, it did Lincoln Center, for instance, in, in um, New York City. So, I mean, this was right at the center of, this was the center of where people were working right here. And the, and the results of it are there at the, at the public library. Lake Forest College, Lake Forest Town Library, and Market Square. It's worth a visit to Lake Forest, if for nothing else but those. And you don't even have to wait for Le Colonial to open up. <laughs> You can go to the you can go to the deer path in and slum it if you want to. <laughs> you just got to you, you keep your eyes open. That's all. Look around. Well, there's really good stuff. And of course, people's kids are growing up here and they're seeing this stuff every day. And they begin to have an idea of what a town is supposed to look like. Parents can point this out to their kids as they go along. It isn't just big houses. It's not just stores and restaurants. Sure. Uh, we got a great, we have just a great culture here. How's that? Well, Art, I have pages and pages of notes that I scribbled down. I'll do my best to put my notes in the podcast. Please give them a once over. I'm going to try to find some okay. of the pictures on there. I think I know what you're talking about, but remember, I'm only three years in. I'm, I'm trying to learn pr pretty quick here. Art. Well, you go to the beach, right? You go yeah, by Lake right. Forest College. Yep. You go to Market Square. Right. Yeah. All right. I, Just, I say, hey, I, I think this is what Art was talking about. Click. Yeah, I'll right. You tell me if I'm right or wrong, okay? Great. Thank you. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for making me smarter again on Lake Forest history. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Lake Forest podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and please follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about any upcoming shows. 
Again, I'm Pete and can be reached at Pete at LakeForestPodcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes below. On behalf of my co-host, Arthur Miller, we thank you for listening. Our class is now over. Cue the band. (laughs) 